Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts can get connected and be invited to share, learn, and together pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word. Well, I'm super excited for our guest today. Um, I happened to meet him at a... um, uh, a conference that we both go to. How many times have you been to Killer Nashville, Jacob? That, this past year was my third time. I was in 1920 and 22, or I'm sorry, 1921 and 22. Okay. All right. So, so then, um, this is my second conference and second time I, I bumped into you there. And we connected regarding a call to authors. I I started up this podcast and uh, you were gracious enough to sign up and I'm so grateful. Um, But yeah, so we met at Killer Nashville, just just again, a plug to the importance of networking and connecting with fellow um, experts and authors. And so he is an independent author and he was born and raised in Minnesota. He currently um, lives in Clearwater, Florida and he is a three-year army veteran. He's worked as a correctional officer at a large county jail for the past 26 years. Um, He has two grown children. We talked about that before. We're not going to talk about the age of our kids anymore, (laughs) unless we start lying around. (laughs) He's a lover of of literature. He enjoys mysteries, suspense thrillers, horror, supernatural, historical fiction, nonfiction, and classics. And he's been writing creatively since his early teens. He's written over 100 short stories, maybe more at this time, um, some of which appear in the Saturday Evening Post, The Chamber, and Morpheus Tales. His writing preferences carry across many genres, literary, horror, supernatural, comedy, suspense, thriller, and historical fiction, to name a few. His two published novels are Furlough, a crime thriller, and Dead Reckoning, a supernatural suspense thriller. In his spare time, he enjoys sports, traveling, and great food. Ah, a person after my own heart. Um, His passion for visiting various sports stadiums and exploring the cities they reside in has him happily combining all of those things. Um, And so I'm so excited that you're here, Jacob. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Catherine. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your current role in the publishing industry? Uh, Definitely. So as an independent author, uh, everything that's in that definition is just on yourself. So what I've found is it is tremendously taxing uh, being your own uh, manager, financial uh uh, personnel manager, um, and just, so you're a writer. You're also in business. So I'm not naturally a a businessman when it comes to things like that. My girlfriend, yes, she would thrive. She would thrive with that. Okay. Me, not so much. So it's, it's definitely a fly by the seat of your pants kind of operation where you, you're used to writing, you sit down, you're you're creating stories and books and all that. And then you flip and then from your right brain to your left brain. Yeah. And now you've got to be on point with the business side of it. So that's, that's definitely been a challenge, but it's, it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
wouldn't call it fun, <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely a necessary part of uh, necessary evil of the business yeah. because you know obviously when you publish traditionally, you have the publishing company that does all that. Right. Yeah. So you have to you have. Ha I guess you hire out for like your book covers, your editing, all of that. Everything, everything. Yeah. And and so my, my main goal in a nutshell was to produce okay. the most professional product that I could. Okay. That you wouldn't be able to differentiate my books as far as the cover art, the, the editing quality, uh, down to um, just every aspect that you can think of. When you pick up a book, you go into Barnes and Noble or the library versus yeah. you pick up my book, you buy it on Amazon and, you know, Basically, the writing quality—that's up to the author, of course. But as far yeah. as the um, the the package, the, that was yeah. definitely my goal. Yeah, yeah. Your your books—they're uh, very good looking, very good looking books. Um, I remember seeing Furlough. That was pretty thick too. So that's that's a long. Well, how long is that book? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a big book. It yeah, ended up with. 545 pages. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. So what current projects have you been working on? Uh, so right now I'm working on novel number three. Uh, it is a psychological thriller slash horror okay. novel. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So does any of your, any of your background come into play? Cause it, you're, you had mentioned that you deal with, um, sometimes you deal with people who have uh, psychiatric issues and all of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I have that extensive work background um, with my with my current job at the county jail. So I, I run the psychiatric uh, floor. So I'd say probably half of my career, I've been dealing with a lot of psych inmates, every kind of psychiatric disorder you could think of. Uh, so it's, I think it's naturally kind of bled into my psyche, mm -hmm. but that does definitely come out in, in some of my writing. Mm -hmm. And actually I was, I was at work last night joking with a coworker saying that I could probably have a PhD and be a psychiatrist by now. Just yeah. that. So, you know, so one of the characters in the new book definitely has some, some issues going on up there. So, oh my goodness. Wow. But it, to me would, uh seem like it could almost be cathartic, you know, to be able to, because a lot of that stuff is really heavy and to be able to um, then have an outlet that's creative and to put uh, your knowledge you, in there. You're right. You're right. So, you know, here you are as the author, you have creative license to, to pretty much let your characters think and say and do whatever you want them to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from looking from within, you know, our own psychiatric, psychological issues that we have going on. And then to see that side of humanity and then incorporate that in different characters. I think that definitely gives me a leg up. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I would love for you to, I would love for you to even come back and uh, have a specialty interview because I'm really going to be delving into that in uh, season six and have a specialty interview regarding like the behind the scenes of corrections, because 
a lot of our writers, they don't have the opportunity to to go to a facility and see what happens behind the scenes. And so they want, but they want to write um, in a way that's real. And so having an expert like you, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'd love to talk about it. All right. So, so people, you heard him. It's a promise. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be there. So if, if you could discuss your journey as a writer a networker and an industry professional in a nutshell describe how you manage your obligations in the publishing industry what's well, a pretty big nutshell um yeah. so the answer to that is honestly as i could um so working a full-time job mm-hmm. that has its own inherent challenges by itself yeah uh, and then you have to obviously balance the writing so when it came to my second book, uh, Dead Reckoning, that was, uh, I had to approach that one since I, I had the experience of publishing the first one. Yeah. That took me seven years to write. Wow. Oh. Uh, and I, and I kind of approached furlough as more of a hobby to begin with. I've never <laughs> written an- <laughs> <laughs> I've never written a novel. And so I just sat down one day. I said, you know, you just need to start. And it's not going to write itself. And so I just dabbled with that. Kind of like wrote whenever I felt like it. Yeah. And as you know, that's if you're going to be a serious writer, that doesn't work. No. And so with Dead Reckoning, I, I, I sat down and I said, okay, this is my goal. I've got my own deadlines I want to meet. And so I started that and from first word to publication was 11 months because I took that much more seriously. Yeah. Wow. So would you write before work, after work, on a lunch break? What usually works for you? I've, I've definitely found that I write more effectively in the morning. Mm-hmm. I think just my brain is is more alert, my creative side, which yeah. is a problem because I work nights. And I sleep during <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah, so I do my job, my schedule does afford me, you know, I only work half the month. And yeah. so I sometimes I write in the middle of the night, sometimes I write in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, curiously, writing uh, from remote areas, I found has been a big help to me creatively. Okay. You mean like when you travel? When I travel, uh, I'll go to a coffee shop, uh, oh. Barnes Noble, yeah. library. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been in a sports bar before with the crowd around me, and it just yeah. I, it just helps me focus. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sometimes it does help. That does help to mix it up, you know. And sometimes. They even say that's a good cure for even writer's block. Because sometimes going to um, like a Panera, I notice a lot of people who work, probably work from home, come to places like that because it's the energy around you. You see other people typing away and working and doing whatever. And um, it's it inspires you. And then you get to, you know, eavesdrop in people's conversation and throw that in your book. <laughs> <laughs> you get some it's, great dialogue. Yeah, great dialogue if, when you listen to other people. Mm. So what advice can you share with our author community regarding marketing themselves and building a platform? Those are two buzzwords we're never going to stop hearing about, I don't think. 
Oh, great question. The best advice I could probably give someone who is just maybe starting out or is going to be doing their own marketing, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, would be to plan on it being twice as uh, difficult than you think it's going to be. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And uh, just really just dedication and persistence, uh, because it's definitely not something that I found you can just um, spend an hour on and expect yeah. for it to go. If, if, if you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost hour for hour. Yeah, actually from writing, which is difficult because if you're um, even traditional uh, yeah. publishing, you are the the publisher expects you to do a, a the, the lion's share of your own marketing. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So so, are there any words of encouragement you can offer to those struggling with um, common author challenges, such as rejection, isolation, and marketing? Uh, yeah, expect rejection. And, and to understand that it's not personal, it is part of the business. Mm -hmm. I've had, uh, for instance, one of my short stories that uh, was published in the Saturday Evening Post. I was, I was really proud to get that published in, in a major uh, national magazine. Yeah. But before that, it was rejected by at least a dozen other magazines, probably more, that were less reputable. Oh, wow. And, and so what that showed me was it's not your writing necessarily. It's not the quality of the writing. It may not be the story or the book. It, it really is just someone who you don't know who's sitting in an office in New York or Omaha, Nebraska or Seattle, and they've got a pile of manuscripts and submissions, uh, whether they're novel or short story length. Right. And it's unemotional to them. They have their magazine. They have their book company and they have a very specific uh, type that they're looking for. Yeah. And if it doesn't meet that, it's no offense. If you get the <laughs> rejection letter, just move on. I know yeah. uh, J.K. Rowling and Stephen King famously, their first novels, uh, Harry Potter and Carrie, were both rejected over 100 publishers. I, I, I knew it was rejected a lot. I don't think I knew it was rejected that much. Wow. Yeah, that's encouraging in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, but persistence, it's 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 really difficult to you put your heart and soul into this this project mm -hmm. and you think it's the best thing that's ever been written. Your <laughs> your significant other, your 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 cousin, your best friend, they they love it. It should be a movie, you know, yeah. you get the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> And then someone sends you a form letter saying, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, it hurts, yeah. But you gotta keep moving, yeah, that's good. So, so what what made you what made you decide to go the, the indie route um, versus traditional? Uh, part of it was my age. Uh -huh. So being in my, you know, in my mid forties at that time, when I published the first novel, I had, wanted to start writing and publishing when I was in high school. Oh yeah. So then going the day, uh, my day job route and with my career in law enforcement, 
I feel like this is now my second career. Yeah. Professionally speaking. Right. Uh, and so I have a finite amount of time. And I, and I understood that. <clears throat> so, and part of it was, I just wanted to see what it was like. I have a very independent spirit. I like to think, and it's like, okay, I researched it. A lot of people have done it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people started indie and then went to traditional. So mm -hmm. I figured if I did get an agent and if I got into the traditional publishing realm, that mm -hmm. I would never go indie mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. So I think this is going to provide me. My first two books are, are independent. And with my third, I am going to try to agent that just to see how the traditional route goes. Wow. Wow. Okay. Good. I can't wait to hear about that journey. It's a, people have interesting things to say about both. Mm -hmm. I, I've done both. I published my first book. It was indie. And then um, my second will be traditionally published. And then I have an agent. So I've experienced, I've experienced it both, both ways. So I, I'd love to hear your take on it. So, so can you share one method to keep focused and organized as you manage your very various projects? Because you know you have a you have a day job, and mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about it. I've been talking about it with a lot of different authors. I think the I think the um, stats are it's between two and ten percent of authors um, work full time as writers, but the rest of us have other jobs. So how do you how do you manage all of that? Keeping a schedule uh, for sure, and with uh, with the experience of publishing the, the, my first book, I did I did go into the second book with uh, more of a plan, and mm -hmm. I really wanted to professionalize it. Yeah. So part of that was meeting deadlines. Right. So if I had a writing deadline for the week, if I said, okay, by the end of this month, I'm going to be at this stage. Uh, I want the first draft done. Yeah. And what I would do is I've, I've hired a developmental and a line and copy editor. Oh. And I wanted to do it that way because I, I gave myself, you know, a deadline. Okay. I was, I'm, I'm going to give my developmental uh, editor my third novel by this date in February right. next year. And that's going to force me, you know, I, I'm a procrastinator and that, <laughs> and that includes, includes writing. Unfortunately, it's not yeah. working out well for me. Uh, so, but when, when, when the, the time crunch is there and I'm looking at the calendar, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I'm going to meet this. Well, I have to, because, you know, she's blocked out that two weeks or however amount of time for me. Yeah. And it's, it's my responsibility that that's really what I, um, I'm trying to take seriously. It, it is a responsibility, just like my job. And my favorite saying is that the book isn't going to write itself. Oh yeah. That's a good, <laughs> well, that's a good, that's a good saying. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's not. Yeah. Wow. So how, how and why do you recommend lacing our author books and platforms with moral messages? Especially since you work in corrections. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because I think every story has is laced with morality. You know, we stories are about characters or about people. 
And we all have a, a morality. So your characters, uh, therefore, will and should have a morality. And with both of mine, I, I felt very, uh, I had a very deep sense of the themes uh, in both of them. Uh, mm -hmm. Through crime fiction, the criminal justice system with furlough, yeah. some of the corruption that can be involved, uh, and not so much the corruption, but also personal choice. Yes. Because Eddie, the main character, he's made some pretty bad choices. And it, it's put him in a position to where here you are, just living life, and you go out one night with a buddy, and you wake up the next morning, and literally your life could be over. Wow. With one decision. Yeah. And I found personal decision with myself, with my with my kids. It's, it's been, has been a challenge, friends. And you get to see how people's lives branch and how they're just just really affected. Right. You know? and, and I see that from my job. People's lives are ruined. Right. Um, and then the morality from the second book, that was a whole other aspect because that involved um, something that, that really never really interested me on a mm -hmm. conscious level, but started one day when I read a newspaper story and I was like, wow, wow, this is, this is a subject that could really be, um, I, I could really go somewhere with this. Wow. Okay. So, so that's where you get some of your inspiration, even just from reading a newspaper article. Yeah. Yeah. From, from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> a random conversation. I was on a flight. Actually, I think it might have been uh, Killer Nashville, as a matter okay. of fact. And just a conversation in front of me, the, the the gentleman was having. And all of a sudden, the story was spinning in my head. And I was like, ooh, what if this? And what if that? And that'd be interesting. And, you know, just, yeah, they come from all over. Yeah. That's okay. That's really good. Um, so, so do you have any author news or events you'd like to update our listeners about and and also how can our writer writing community stay in touch with you absolutely um so i am on facebook my um my author uh, page is writer jake and also on instagram uh my instagram handle is writer underscore jake underscore 727 and and on twitter it's uh, writer Jake seven two seven. Okay. Both of my novels I just recently actually uh, have just been released on audiobook. Oh, audio. I, I, oh. I just. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Tell me. So tell us about that. How how did you go about? Because um, we're hearing a lot about that with um, traditional and independently published authors. Like, how did you go about recruiting the person to? to do the reading and all did you do your own reading uh no no i'm, I'm not that talented at all okay. but, <laughs> <laughs> uh i would have if i'd had the equipment but i researched it and just creating a studio and getting all the the editing equipment i just i figured it'd be better to pay somebody and yeah. i'm really happy with that so there's audible and then find a way voices find a way voices okay I decided to go with Find A Way. Okay. Oh. Two different narrators, uh, Art Brown, 
narrated okay. for low. And Deontay Black narrated uh, Dead Reckoning. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh. Very, very good uh, narrators, both of them. Very happy with uh, the finished product. And it was a very interesting, uh, the most interesting aspect of the publishing uh, experience for me. Uh, so I get to see the, my books in print, but just listening to, you know, going through the audition uh, mm -hmm. process, picking them out, getting the contracts done, and then them sending me chapter by chapter, you know, it just listening to it. And here I am, my own audio proofreader, I guess you, yeah. could, you could say. It, right. it was a fascinating, fascinating part of it. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. So have, so are those available for purchase now, the audio versions? They are. They're fully okay. published. They're both on available on Audible, Apple Books, uh, Bibliotech. There are, oh, geez, probably 20 different outlets. So they're available in libraries. I've got, actually, the majority of my sales are, are checked out from libraries, actually. Really? Huh. Was uh, it hard to get into far. the library? Not at all. So you have two different options. I, I can't speak for um, ACX, which mm -hmm. is run through through Audible. But if you go through Find Away Voices for people that are interested in going that route, you also have an option to go through Audible as well. But now you're just subject to their their pricing and their their contract terms. Okay, got it. Oh, wow. That's okay. That's something else to learn. All right. Wow. I appreciate it. Is well in closing. It is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with? I would say probably more directed to the beginning writer mm -hmm. or, or those writers that are just starting out because that was me several years ago. Mm -hmm. I've been writing just on my own amateurishly or you know, as an amateur uh, for my entire life. You know, that's my passion. You know, I was 13 years old, I want to say, when I read, wrote my first story. And my aunt, she's like, oh, this is great. And there was just the fire was there and it just never stopped. Yeah. So for the people that are really wanting to go to the next level mm -hmm. and professionalize their writing. So it's, it's no, there's no problem with just journaling or submitting short stories or even writing your own novel and putting it on the shelf. But if you want to be published, uh, the best advice I could give is to treat it as seriously as you would any other aspect of your life that, that was really important to you because it's, it is all on you. Mm -hmm. uh, the book story is not going to write itself. And if you want to get it out there, uh, the day I, I held my own book up in print and that's on Amazon and I see people are buying it and reviewing it. Yeah. I was like, wow, this, it's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> this can actually happen. And it is the persistence. Uh, you just have to be persistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Jacob. I, we've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed my time with you and, um, uh, all of our listeners don't forget to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word.
Thank you, Kath. Okay, Jacob, so I would love for you to go ahead and um, for those of us who are able to see this podcast, to hold up your book, the first one, first your baby, and then give us, you know, the details about that book and then the second book as well. Okay, my my first published, uh, this is the firstborn, this is Furlough, and I'll go ahead and just read the description on it right off the back. Freed after a five-year prison stint for a crime he did not commit, Eddie Grassel is looking to make a fresh start. His main goal? To unite with the young child he has never met. But a fateful decision lands Eddie back in jail, this time as an unwitting accomplice to a murder. Convinced he's headed to prison for life, Eddie executes a brazen jailbreak in the desperate hope of finding and meeting his son. Standing in his way are an army of police, the unforgiving woods and swamps of Southwest Florida, and a mysterious killer sent to find him before he's recaptured. Mm. Sensing holes in Eddie's case, a veteran homicide detective must battle the corrupt head prosecutor, as well as ghosts of her own past, to hopefully recapture him alive. With only 36 hours before he promises to turn himself in, Eddie must overcome nearly impossible odds to succeed at what he feels is his only chance at salvation. Wow. Okay, that sounds amazing. And then the second born is Dead Reckoning. That's a cool cover. Wow. Yeah. The um, the cover artist was through Cover Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> he actually lives in Spain. Wow. Uh, that artist. And uh, he did a fantastic job uh, with that. I was really happy with that cover also. <clears throat> so this is more supernatural suspense. A heinous murder sends Florida tabloid reporter Rain Dawson sniffing for details. But when he discovers that a supernatural force may be responsible for for both this death and a string of others, he enlists the help of the beautiful owner of a local history center. Together, they learn of an explosive element to the case that, like the tragic race riot that happened in the town a century before, the local citizenry wishes to bury and forget. While continuing to battle his own personal demons, Rain discovers that he is the only one able to stop the troubled spirit and realizes he must find a way to destroy it before his own soul and those closest to him are lost forever. Excellent. Thank you. 